0: Story 8 of The Crimson Gardenia and Other Tales of Adventure by Rex Beach. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story 8 The Stampede. From their vantage on the dump, the red gravel of which ran like a raw scar down the mountainside, the men looked out across the gulch above the western range of hills to the yellow setting sun far below them the creek was dotted with other tiny pay-dumps of the same red gravel over which men crawled ant-like or upon which they laboured at windlass. thin wisps of smoke rose from the cabin roofs bespeaking the supper hour they had done a hard day's work these two and wearily descended to their shack which hugged the hillside beneath ten hours with pick and shovel in a drift where the charcoal gas flickers a candle flame will reduce one's artistic keenness and together they slouch along the path heedless alike of view or color as crowley built the fire buck scoured himself in the wet snow beside the door emerging from his ablutions as cook the former stretched upon the bunk with growing luxury gee whiz i'm tuckered out Twelve hours in that air is too much for anybody.' "'Sure,' growled the other. "'Bet I sleep good to-night, all right.' "'All right? "'What's the use, anyhow?' he continued disgustedly. "'I'm sore on the whole works. "'If the Yukon was open, I'd chuck it all.' "'What? "'Go back to the States? "'Give up?' "'Well, yes, if you want to call it that. "'Though I think I've shown I ain't a quitter. "'Lord, I've rustled steady for two years, and what have I got?' nothing except my interest in this pauperized hill claim if two years of hard work gives you cold feet ye ain't worthy of the dignity of prospector this here is the only honourable calling there is there's no competition and cutting throats in our business nor we don't rob the widders and orphans a prospector is defined as a semi-human being with a low forehead but a high sense of honour a stomach that shies at salads but a heart that's full of grit they don't never lay down and the very beauty of the business is that you never know when you're due some day a guy comes along i hit her over yonder boy says he whereupon you insert yourself into a pack-strap pound the trail and the next you know you're a millionaire or two bah no more stampedes for me i've killed myself too often there's nothing in em i'm sick of it i tell you and i'm going out to god's country no more wild scrambles and hardships for buck a step sounded on the chips without and a slender sallow man entered hello maynard they chorused and welcomed him to a seat what are you doing out here do you bring any chewing with you evidently he labored under excitement for his face was flushed and his eyes danced nervously he panted from his climb ignoring their question there's been a big strike over on the tanana four bits to the pan forgetting fatigue crawley scrambled out of his bunk while the cook left his steaming skillet when how'd you know it's this way i met a fella as i came out from town he'd just come over one of the discoverers he showed me the gold it's coarse one nugget weighed three hundred dollars and there's only six men in the party they went up the tanana last fall prospecting and only just struck it three of em are down with scurvy so this one came over the mountains for fresh scrub it'll be the biggest stampede this camp ever saw maynard became incoherent how long ago did you meet him crowley inquired excitedly about an hour i came on the run because he'd get into camp by eleven and at midnight we'll see five hundred men on the trail look at this he gave me a map the speaker gloatingly produced a scrap of writing paper and continued boys you've got five hours start of them we can't go we haven't got any dogs replied buck those people from town would catch us in twenty miles you don't want dogs maynard answered it's too soft you'll have to make a quick run with packs or the spring break-up will catch you i wish i could go it's big i tell you lord how i wish i could go they were huddled together their eyes feverish their fingers tracing the pencil markings a smell of burning food filled the room but there is no obsession more absolute than the gold lust get the packs together while me and buck eats a bite we'll take the fox robe and the navajo glad i've got a new pair of mucklucks cause we need lighter footwear but what will you wear boy them hip boots is too heavy you'll never make it here said maynard try these he slipped off his light gossamer sporting boots and buck succeeded in stamping his feet into them little tight but they'll do they snatched bites of food meanwhile collecting their paraphernalia maynard helped as he could each selected a change of socks and mittens then the grub was divided evenly tea flour bacon baking powder salt sugar there was nothing else for spring on the yukon finds only the heel of the grub steak each rolled his portion in his blanket and lashed it with light rope then an end of the bundle was thrust into the waist of a pair of overalls and the garment closely cinched to it the legs were brought forward and fastened forming two loops through which they slipped their arms balancing the packs or shifting a knot here and there a light axe a coffee-pot frying-pan and pail were tied on the outside and they stood ready for the run they stored carefully wrapped bundles of matches in pockets packs and in the lining of their caps the preparations had not taken twenty minutes too bad we ain't got some cooked grub like chocolates or dog biscuits said crowley but seein as we've got five hours start over everybody we won't have to kill ourselves maynard spoke hesitatingly say i told sully about it as i came along what crowley interrupted him sharply yes i told him to get ready and i promised to give him the location an hour after you left you see he did me a good turn once and i had to get back at him somehow he and canood are getting fixed now why what's up he caught a queer quick glance between his partners and noted a hardness settle into the lined face of the elder nothing much buck took up i guess you didn't know about the trouble Crowley knocked him down day before yesterday, and Sully swears he'll kill him on sight. It came up over that fraction on Buster Creek. Well, well, said Maynard, that's bad, isn't it? I promise, though, so I'll have to tell him. Sure, that's all right, Crowley agreed quietly, though his lip curled, showing the strong, close-shut ivory teeth. His nostrils dilated also, giving his face a passing wolfish hint there's neither white man nor swede that can gain an hour on us and if he should happen to he wouldn't pass be it known that many great placer fortunes have been won by those who stepped in the warm tracks of the discoverers while rarely does the goddess smile on the tardy in consequence no frenzy approaches that of the gold stampede passing sully's place they found him and his partner ready and waiting their packs on the sawbuck crowley glared at his enemy in silence while the other sneered wickedly back and big canute laughed in his yellow beard buck's heart sank could he outlast these two he was a boy they were reckless giants with thews and legs of iron canute was a gaunt-framed viking sully a violent florid man with the quarters of an ox through the quixotism of maynard this trip bade fair to combine the killing grind of a long fierce stampede with the bitter struggle of man and man and too well he knew the temper of his red-headed partner to doubt that before the last stake was driven either he or sully would be down from the glare in their eyes at passing it came over him that either he or canute would recross the mountain partnerless the trail was too narrow for these other men He shrank from the toil and agony he felt was coming to him through this then with it there came the burning gold hunger the lust that drives starving broken wrecks onward unremittingly over misty hills across the beds of lava and the forbidden tundra on into the new diggings it neared eight o'clock and although darkness was far distant the chill that follows the sun fell sharply as they swung out on the river their fatigue had dropped away and they moved with the steady loose gait of the hardened musher buck looked at his watch they had been gone an hour the race is on said he though unhurried their progress was likewise unhindered and the mile slipped backward as the darkness thickened hour by hour straight up the fifty-mile stream to its source over the great backbone and into the unmapped country their course led if they hurried they would have first choice of the good claims close about the discovery if they lagged sully and his oxide partner would overtake them and beyond that it was unpleasant to conjecture we'll hit water pretty soon crowley's voice broke hours of silence for they were sparing of language they neither whistled nor sang nor spoke for man is a potential body from which his store of energy wastes through tiny unheeded ways true to prophecy in the darkness of midnight they walked out upon a thin skin of newly frozen ice look out for the overflow she froze since darks. crowley cautioned we're liable to go through on all sides it cracked alarmingly while they felt it sag beneath their feet it is bad in the dark to ride the ice of an overflow for one may crash through ankle deep to the solid body beneath or plunge to his armpits they skated over the yielding surface toward safety till without warning crowley smashed in halfway to his hips he fell forward bodily and the ice led him through till he rolled in the water buck skimmed over more lightly and when they had reached the solid footing helped him wring out his garments straightway the cloth whitened under the frost and crackled when they resumed their march but there was no time for fires and by vigorous action he could keep the cold from striking in they had threaded up into the region where spring was further advanced and within half an hour encountered another overflow climbing the steep bank they wallowed through thickets waist-deep in snow beneath the crust which cut knife-like it was wet and soggy so they emerged saturated then debouching on the glare-ice the boy had a nasty fall for he slipped and his loose hung pack. Flung him suddenly. Nothing is more wicked than a pack on smooth ice. The surface had frozen glass smooth, and constant difficulty beset their progress. Their slick soled footgear refused to grip it, so that often they fell, always awkwardly, occasionally crushing through into the icy water beneath. Without warning, Buck found that he was very tired. He also found that his pack had grown soggy and quadrupled in weight tugging sullenly at his aching shoulders as daylight showed they slipped harness and hurriedly gathering twigs boiled a pot of tea they took time to prepare nothing else yet even though the kettle sang speedily as they drank from around the bend below came voices crowley straightened with a curse and snatching his pack fled up the stream followed by his companion they ran till buck's knees failed him Thereupon the former removed a portion of the youngster's burden, adding it to his own, and they hurried on for hours till they fell exhausted upon a dry moss hummock. Here they exchanged footgear as Buck now found his feet were paining him acutely owing to the tightness of his rubber boots. They proved too small for Crowley as well, and in a few hours his feet were likewise ruined. Noon found them limping among the bald hills of the river's source here timber was sparse and the snows too had thinned so to avoid the convolutions of the stream they cut across points floundering among nigger heads quaint wobbly hummocks of grass being thrown repeatedly by their packs which had developed a malicious deviltry this footing was infinitely worse than the reeking ice but it saved time so they took it now under their stiff mackinaws they perspired freely as the sun mounted until their heavy garments chafed them beneath arms and legs moreover mosquitoes which in this latitude breed within arm's length of snowdrifts continually whined in a vicious cloud before their features human nerves will weather great strains but wearing maddening unending trivialities will break them down and so although their journey in miles had been inconsiderable the dragging packs the driving panic the lack of food and firm footing had trebled it scaling the moss-capped saddle they labored painfully a hundred yards at a time back of them the valley unrolled its stream winding away like a gleaming ribbon stretching through dark banks of fir down to the yukon after incredible effort they reached the crest and gazed dully out to the southward over a limitless jangle of peaks on and on to a blue-veiled valley leagues and leagues across many square miles lay under them in the black of unbroken forests it was their first glimpse of the tanana far beyond from a groveling group of foothills a solitary giant peak soared grandly standing aloof serene terrible in its proportions even in their fatigue they exclaimed aloud it's mount mckinley yep tallest ward on the face of the continent there's the creek we go down see crowley indicated a watercourse which meandered away through canyons and broad reaches we follow it to yonder cross valley then east to there to buck's mind his gesture included a tinted realm as far-reaching as a state stretched upon the bare cyst commanding the back stretch they munched slices of raw bacon directly out toward the mountain's foot two figures crawled there they come and crowley led stumbling sliding into the strange valley as this was the south and early side of the range they found the hills more barren of snow water seeped into the gulches till the creek ice was worn and rotted this'll be fierce the irishman remarked if she breaks on us we'll be hung up in the hills and starve before the creek's lower enough to get home small streams freeze solidly to the bottom and the spring waters wear downward from the surface thus they found the creek awash and following farther it became necessary to wade in many places they came to a box canyon where the winter snow had packed forming a dam and as there was no way of avoiding it without retreating a mile and climbing the ragged bluff they floundered through their packs aloft the slushy water armpit deep we'd oughta took the ridges buck chattered language slips forth phonetically with fatigue no fellers apt to get lost drop into the wrong creeks come out fifty mile away i bet the others do anyhow buck held stubbornly it's lots easier going. wish sully would but he's too wise no such luck for me a long pause i reckon i'll have to kill him before he gets back again they relapsed into miles of silence Crowley's fancy fed on vengeance, hatred livening his work-worn faculties. He nursed carefully the memory of their quarrel, for it helped him travel, and took his mind from the agony of movement and this aching sleep-hunger. The feet of both men felt like fearful, shapeless masses, their packs leaned backward sullenly, chafing raw shoulder-sores, and always the ravenous mosquitoes stung and stung and whined and whined at an exclamation the leader turned miles back silhouetted far above on the comb of the ridge they descried two tiny figures that's what we ought to done they'll beat us in no they won't they'll have to camp tonight or get lost while well, we can keep going we can't go wrong down here can't do more than drown buck groaned at the thought of the night hours he couldn't stand it that was all enough is enough of anything and he had gone the limit just one more mile and he would quit yet he did not all through that endless phantom night they floundered encased in freezing garments numb and heavy with sleep but morning found them at the banks of the main stream you look like hell said buck laughing weakly his mirth relaxed his nerves suddenly till he giggled and hiccuped hysterically nor could he stop for many minutes the while crowley stared at him apathetically from a lined and shrunken countenance his features standing out skeleton-like the younger man evidenced the strain even more severely for his flesh was tender and he had travelled the last hours on pure nerve his jaws were locked and corded however while his drooping eyes shone unquenchably eventually they rounded a bluff onto a cabin nestled at the mouth of a dark valley near it men were working with a windlass so stumbling to them they spoke huskily sorry we ain't got room inside the stranger replied but three of the boys is down with scurvy and we're all cramped up plenty more folks coming i s'pose eh the two had sunk onto the wet ground and did not answer buck fell with his pack still on utterly lost and the miner was forced to drag the bundle from his shoulders as he rolled him up he was sleeping heavily crowley awakened while the sun was still golden his joints aching excruciatingly they had slept four hours he boiled tea on the miner's stove and fried a pan of salt pork but was too tired to prepare anything else so they drank the warm bacon grease clear with their tea as buck strove to arise, his limbs gave way weakly so that he fell and it took him many moments to recover their use where's the best chance partner they inquired of the men on the dump well there ain't none very close by we've got things pretty well covered how's that there's only six of you you can't hold but six claims besides discovery oh yes we can we've got powers of attorney got em last fall in st michael Got 'em em recorded too Crowley's sunken eyes blazed. "'Them's no good. We don't recognize em in this district. One claim is enough for any man if it's good, and too much if it's bad.' "'What district you alluding at?' questioned the other ironically. "'You're in the Skookum district now. Takes six men to organize. Well, we organized. We made laws. We elected a recorder. I'm it. If you don't like our rules, yonder is the divide. We've got the U.S. government back of us. See?' Crowley's language became purely local, but the other continued unruffled. "'We knew you all was coming, so we sort of loaded up. If there's any ground hereabouts that we ain't got blanketed, it's purely an oversight. There's plenty left farther out, though,' and he swept them a mocking gesture. "'Help yourselves, and pass up for more. I'll record em. "'What's the fee?' Ten dollars apiece.' Crowley swore more savagely. "'You done a fine job of hogging, didn't you? It's two and a half everywhere else.' but the recorder of the Skookum district laughed carelessly and resumed his windlass. "'Sorry he ain't pleased. Maybe you'll learn to like it.' As they turned away, he continued, "'I don't mind giving you a hunch, though. Tackle that big creek about five miles down yonder. She prospected good last fall, but you'll have to go clean to her head, "'cause we've got everything below.' Eight hours later, by the guiding glare of the northern lights, the two stumbled back into camp, utterly broken." they had followed the stream for miles and miles to find it staked by the powers of attorney of the six coming to the gulch's head to be sure they found vacant ground but refused to claim such unpromising territory then the endless homeward march through the darkness out of thickets and through drifts they burst while fatigue settled on them like some horrid vampire from the darkness every step being no longer involuntary became a separate labor requiring mental concentration they were half dead in slumber as they walked but their stubborn courage and smouldering rage at the men who had caused this drove them on they suffered silently because it takes effort to groan and they hoarded every atom of endurance many many times buck repeated a poem timing his steps to its rhythm rendering it over and over till it wore a rut through his brain his eyes fixed dully upon the glaring fires above the hilltops for years a faintness came over him with the memory of these lines then dark they lie and stark they lie rookery dune and flow and the northern lights came down a nights to dance with the houseless snow reaching the cabin they found an army of men sleeping heavily upon the wet moss among them was the great form of canute but nowhere did they spy sully with much effort they tore off the constricting boots and using them for pillows sank into a painful lethargy awakened early by the others they took their stiffly frozen footgear beneath the blankets to thaw against their warm bodies but their feet were swelled to double size and every joint had ossified rheumatically eventually they hobbled about preparing the first square meal since the start two days and three nights still they saw no sully though crowley's eyes darted careful inquiry among the horde of stampeders which moved about the cabin later he seemed bent on some hidden design so they crawled out of sight of the camp then commencing at the upper stake of discovery he stepped off the claims from post to post It is customary to blaze the boundaries of locations on tree trunks, but from topographical irregularities it is difficult to properly gauge these distances, hence many rich fractions have been run over by the heedless to fall to him who chained the ground. Upon pacing the third one, he showed excitement. "'You walk this one again. Maybe I made a mistake.' Buck returned, crashing through the brush. "'I make it seventeen hundred the claim above figured it likewise and they trembled with elation as they blazed their lines returning to camp they found the recorder in the cabin with the scurvy patience unfolding the location notices his face went black as he read while he snarled angrily fraction between three and four and fraction between four and five eh you're crazy i reckon not said crowley lifting his lips at the corners characteristically there ain't any fraction there the other averred loudly we own them claims i told you we had everything covered you record them fractions i won't do it i'll see you and crowley reached forth suddenly and strangled him as he sat he buried his thumbs in his throat forcing him roughly back against a bunk farther and farther he crushed him till the man lay pinioned and writhing on his back then he knelt on him shaking and worrying like a great terrier At the first commotion, the cripples scrambled out of bed, shouting lustily through their livid gums, their bloated features mottled and sickly with fright. One lifted himself toward the Winchester, and it fell from his hands, full cocked, when Buck hurled him into a corner, where he lay screaming in agony. Drawn by the uproar, the Stampeders outside rushed toward the shack, to be met in the door by the young man. "Keep back. What's up? Fight. Let me in a man bolted forward but was met with such a driving blow in the face that he went thrashing to the slush another was hurled back and then they heard crowley's voice rough and throaty as he abused the recorder strained to the snapping point his restraint had shattered to bits and now passion ran through him wild and unbridled from his words they grasped the situation and their sympathies changed they crowded the door and gazed curiously through the window to see him jam the recorder shapelessly into a chair place pen and ink in his hand and force him to execute two receipts it is not a popular practice this blanketing as the temper of the watchers showed Thurs em right the hogs Someone said and he voiced the universal sentiment that night as they ravened over their meagre meal canute came to them hesitatingly he was greatly worried and apprehension wrinkled his wooden face They what you tink about sully i don't know why by yingo i tink he's lose lost how's that in his dialect broken by anxiety he told how sully and he had quarrelled on the big divide maddened by failure to gain on crowley the former had insisted on following the mountain crest in the hope of quicker travel the swede had yielded reluctantly till frightened by the network of radiating gulches which spread out beneath their feet in a bewildering sameness he had refused to go farther they had quarrelled in a fit of fury sully had hurled his pack away and canute's last vision of him had been as he went raving and cursing onward like a madman travelling fast in his fury canute had retreated dropped into the valley and eventually reached his goal there is no time for reliefs on a stampede the gentler emotions are left in camp with the women he who would risk life torture and privation for a stranger will trample pitilessly on friend and enemy blinded by the gold glitter or drunken with the chase of the rainbow for five days and nights the army lived on its feet streaming up gullies where lay the hint of wealth or swarming over the sombre bluffs and hourly the madness grew feeding on itself till they fought like beasts fabulous values were begotten giant sails were brooded about flying rumors of gold at the cross inflamed them to further frenzy a town was laid out and a terrible scramble for lots ensued one man was buried in the plot he claimed his disputant being adjudged the owner by virtue of his quicker draw it was manslaughter they knew but no one spared the time to guard him so he went free nor did he run away one cannot while the craze is on five days of this and then the stream broke with it broke the delirium of the five hundred the valleys roared and bawled from bluff to bluff while the flats became seas of seething ice and rubbish thus cut off from home they found their grub was gone for every one had clung till his food grew low as the obsession left them their brotherhood returned food was apportioned in community and they spoke vaguely of the fate of sully For still another half fortnight, they lay about the cabin, while the streams raged, and then Crawley spoke to his partner. Rolling their blankets, they started, and although many were tempted to go, none had the courage, preferring to starve on quarter rations till the waters lowered. Ascending for miles, where the torrent narrowed, they felled a tree, across, for a bridge, and ascending the ridges, took the direction of camp, in a new and broken country not formed of continuous ranges this is difficult so to avoid frequent fordings they followed the high ground going devious confusing miles the snows were largely gone though the nights were cruel and thus they traveled at last when they had worked through to the yukon spurs one morning on a talus high above Buck spied the flapping forms of a flock of ravens they fluttered ceaselessly among the rocks Rising noisily, only to settle again. These are the gleaming, baleful vultures of the North, and often they attain a considerable size and ferocity. The men gazed at them with apathy. Was it worth while to spin the steps to see what drew them? By following their course, they would pass far to the right. I hate the damn things, said Crowley crossly. I seen them once hanging on a caribou calf with a broken leg, trying to pick his eyes out let's see what it is he veered to the left scrambling up among the boulders the birds rose fretfully perching near but the men saw nothing as they rested momentarily the birds again swooped downward reassured then partly hidden among the detritus they spied that which made crowley cry out in horror while the sound of buck's voice was like the choking of a woman as they started one of the ebony scavengers dipped fiercely picking at a ragged object a human arm slowly arose and blindly beat it off but the raven's mate settled also and seeking its beak into the object tore hungrily with a shout they stumbled forward lacerated by the jagged slide rock only to pause aghast and shaking Sully lay crouched against a boulder, where he had crawled for the sun-heat. Rags of clothing hung from his gaunt frame, through which the sharp bones strove to pierce. Also, at sight of his hands and feet, they shuddered. With the former he had covered his eyes from the raven's, but his cheeks and head were bloody and shredded. He muttered constantly, like the thick whirring of machinery run down. "'Oh, my God!' Buck whispered. Crowley had mastered himself and knelt beside the figure. He looked up, and tears lay on his cheeks. Look at them hands and feet. That was done by fire and frost together. He must have fell in his own campfires after he went crazy. The garments were burned off to elbow and knee, while the flesh was black and raw. Tenderly, they carried the gabbing creature down to the timber and laid him on a bed of boughs. His condition told the grim tale of his wanderings, crazed with hunger and hardship. Heating water they poured it into him, dressed his wounds with strips from their underclothes. Of stimulants they had none, but fed him the last pinch of flour, together with the final rasher of salt pork, although they knew that these things are not good for starving men. For many days they had travelled on less than quarter rations themselves. "'What will we do?' it ain't over twenty miles to the niggers he'll die before we can get help back do you reckon we can carry him it was not sympathy which prompted crowley for he sympathized with his boyish companion whose sufferings it hurt him sorely to augment it was not pity he pitied himself and his own deplorable condition nor did mercy enter into his processes for the man had mercilessly planned to kill him and he likewise had nursed a bitter hatred against him which misfortune could only dim it was not these things which moved him but a vaguer wilder quality an elemental unspoken indefinable feeling of brotherhood throughout the length of the north teaching subtly yet absolutely and without appeal that no man shall be left in his extremity to the cruel harshness of this forbidding land carry him buck cried no you're crazy what's the use he'll die anyhow and so'll we if we don't get grub soon buck was new to the country and he was a boy no he won't he lived hard and he'll die hard for he's a hellion he is we gotta pack him in by god i won't risk my life for a corpse specially one like him the lad broke out in hysterical panic for he had lived on the raggedest edge of his nerve these many days now his every muscle was dead and numbed with pain only his mind was clear caused by the effort to force movement into his limbs when he stopped walking he fell into a half slumber which was acutely painful when he arose to re-drive his weary body it became freakish so that he fell or collided with trees he was bloody and bruised and cut carry a dead man it was madness and besides he felt an utter giving away at every joint he was too tired to make his reasoning plain his tongue was thick and crowley's brain too calloused to grasp argument therefore he squatted beside the muttering creature and wept impotently he was asleep with tears in his stubbly beard when his partner finished the rude litter yet he took up his end of the burden as crowley knew he would you kill us both damn you he groaned probably so but we can't leave him to them things the other nodded at the vampires perched observantly in the surrounding firs then began their great trial and temptation for hours on end the birds fluttered from tree to tree always in sight and hoarsely complaining till the sick fancies of the men distorted them into foul gibing creatures of the pit screaming with devilish glee at their anguish blindly they staggered through the forest while the limbs reached forth to block them thrusting sharp needles into their eyes or whipping back viciously vines writhed up their legs straining to delay their march and the dank moss curled ankle-deep slyly tripping their dragging swollen feet nature hindered them sullenly with all her heart-breaking implacability they reeled constantly under their burden and grew to hate the ragged barked trees that smote them so cruelly and so roughly tore their flesh oftentimes they fell rolling the maniac limply from his couch but they dragged him back and strained forward to the hideous racket of his mumblings which grew louder as his delirium increased they were forced to tie him to the poles but could not stop his ghastly shriekings At every pause, the dismal ravens croaked and leered evilly from the shadows, till Buck shuddered and hid his face, while Crowley gnashed his teeth. From time to time, other birds joined them in anticipation of the feast, till they were ringed about, and the sight of this ever growing, grisly, clamorous flock of watchers became awful to the men. They felt the horny talons searching their flesh, and the hungry beaks tearing at their eyeballs. A dog-sled and birch-bark practice, covering both banks of the Yukon for two hundred miles, yielded Doc Lewis sufficient revenue to grubstake a Swede. Thus he slept warm, kept his feet dry, and was still a miner. He did not believe in hardship, and eschewed stampedes. Yet when he had seen the last able-bodied man vanish from camp on the Skookum run, he grew restless he scoffed at fake excitements to jarvis the faro-dealer who also forbore the trail by virtue of his calling but he got no satisfaction a fortnight later he rolled his blankets and journeyed toilsomely up the river valley better late than never he thought arriving at the empty shack of the negroes he camped only to awaken during the night to the roar of the torrent at his door having seen other mountain streams in the breakup he waited philosophically hunting ptarmigan among the firs back of the cabin he had lost track of the days when down the gulch in the morning light he descried a strange party approaching two men bore between them a stretcher made from their shirts they crawled with dreadful slowness resting every hundred feet moreover they stumbled and staggered aimlessly through the nigger heads as they drew near he sighted their faces from which the teeth grinned in a grimace of torture and through which the cheekbones seemed to penetrate he knew what the signs boded for years he had ministered to these necessities and no man had ever approached his success it is the rape of the north they are doing he sighed we ravage her stores but she takes grim toll from all of us he moved the hot water forward on the stove cleared off the rude table AND LAID OUT HIS INSTRUMENT CASE. END OF STORY EIGHT